and Norval Hayes. So, you know, these are all great men and women of faith, right? Uh, and so um, they had revelation. Uh, and it's to my advantage to gather whatever revelation that they, that they receive from the Lord because sometimes that revelation doesn't come because you ask the Lord uh, one time, right? Some of this revelation takes them years and years to work out. You know, they read the scriptures, they study the scriptures, they meditate in the scriptures, and they talk to the Lord. Sometimes, I know Brother Hagin said it took them about 30 years to finally figure out the difference between spirit, soul, and body. Of course, we know the difference between uh, the body and, the, and spirit and soul, but um, <clears throat> he would travel around the country as a, as a minister, traveling minister, speaking to other pastors, and he would ask them all, what's the difference between soul and body? And, they, and, and he said, uh, 100% of them said, I thought they were the same. Uh, is there a difference? You know, uh, there's not really a difference. And yet, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, says that uh, he divides us under soul and spirit. So there is a distinction between soul and spirit. And, uh, and um, of course, we know First Thessalonians 5.23 said, you know, the very God of peace uh, sanctify you and pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. So Paul made a distinction between spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and the book of Hebrews makes a distinction between uh, spirit and soul and body. Uh, and so what's the difference, right? Of course, we're not, uh, I think we all know, you know, if you've been around here, been in the Word of Faith movement any amount of time, we know the distinction, right? The soul is the, the mind, the will, and emotions. The spirit is the part of you that gets born again and made in the image and likeness of God. Well, that revelation took Brother Hagin 30 years to figure out. Now, of course, he wrote a little book, you know, probably 50 pages or less, and uh, spirit, uh, man on three dimensions. And the vast majority of the body of Christ, especially in the Word of Faith movement, know and understand the distinction between spirit and soul. And it's to your advantage to know the difference, right? Because some things that uh, your, your soul continuously needs to be renewed all the days of your life. Your, your spirit's fine, needs to be uh, fed a healthy diet of the Word of God in, in prayer and faith. Uh, but it, there's no errors in your spirit. But your, but your, your soulish man is squirrely, right? It uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, needs to be renewed to think like the Word of God. And that, that uh, effort will never be completed in this lifetime. You will do that all the days of your life to renew, to constantly renew your mind to the Word of God. Think like the Word of God. Think like the Lord thinks about you. <clears throat> and we know that. And, uh, but Brother Hagin took 30 years to figure that out. You know, you read a book, oh yeah, that makes sense. But he spent 30 years figuring it out. So it's to our advantage to listen to people that have got this revelation uh, so we can learn things. And, you know, there there are people, uh, and, you know, it, it's, you're probably not even going to believe it when I say this, but there are people who don't believe that we should ever get any revelation from anybody else other than ourselves. And, well, then why go to church, right? Well, why why is there an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? Why, why, you know, if you can get everything that you need just by the Spirit of God, then you don't need anybody. And yet, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus himself, established the fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for the perfecting of the saints, right? That's the number one responsibility, and that means to cause the saints to grow and to grow up. Uh, and if, if you don't need me, then you don't need the fivefold ministry gifts. Then, then you have a special deal with the Lord Jesus as the head of the church that nobody else has because the head of the church established those ministry gifts to to bring in revelation to the body of Christ to help us grow up. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm connected with, uh, with Randall Greer's ministry. He stands in the office of the prophet, and he speaks revelation into my life. Not, not so much about personal uh, revelation and personal uh, prophecies, which he does on occasion, but just the revelation that the Spirit of God gives to him. 
Well, I look for I look for that. I try to obtain that. I find out, I try to find out what what he knows that he's been given to the Lord that I don't have. Amen. Uh, and I'm never of the opinion that I can get everything on my own. Uh, and uh, and yet there are people in the body who actually believe that, who really think that they can get everything they need just them and the Lord. And that's folly. That's foolishness. It's it's an amazing amount of arrogance to think that I need nobody else but me and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because uh, the Lord Jesus established these gifts, amen? And he said, we need each other. The hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of thee. Uh, And if you say, I get everything on my own, then you're saying, you don't need me. Well, I need you. I can guarantee you, all of you in this room tonight know things that I don't know. Uh, And and I need you. I need to find out what that is. I need to add that to my life. And and you all uh, uh, imagine and, and hope that, appreciate that there's maybe one thing in this world that I know that you may not know, right? Uh, and how many verses in the, in the, New, in the King James Bible is there? Anybody know? <laughs> Take a guess. Take a wild guess. That's close to the New Testament. In the, in the, in the whole Bible, there's 31,102 verses. Um, and so you were close, right? In the New Testament, there's 7,957. I think that's, that's pretty close to right. Uh, and so... Does it really matter? That doesn't really matter, right? I mean, it just doesn't really matter, right? Um, uh, anybody know what the middle chapter of the whole Bible is? Now, this is a good reason I'm going to tell you why this is, right? Uh, what's that? It's the book of Psalms, close, right? So it's Psalm 118. And it's not the, exactly the middle verse, but the close to the middle verse is Psalm 118 at verse 8. Uh, well, if you put 118 verse 8 together, what number is that? It's 1188. What's the address to our church here? It's 1188, right? So that's a complete coincidence. You know, has, you, know you think that's God? It, was, it probably wasn't God. It, was just, it just happened, right? It was the post office, right? <laughs> and so, uh, but um, anyway, so there are things that all of us know that, that we can help each other. Amen? Things that we've walked out, learned. You know, uh, you don't have to learn everything by the school of hard knocks. That's, that's foolish just to think that, you know, I would rather learn from your school of hard knocks than my own school of hard knocks, amen? Because your school of hard knocks hurt me a lot less than my school of hard knocks, amen? Uh, and so, uh, and, and, you know, I have used, I have used that, uh, that uh, wisdom all the days of my life because I'm the youngest of 11. And, and I learned many things from my older brothers and sisters. Things don't do that, right? Uh, yeah, that really, that, that, don't ever do that. I mean, that's just a waste of time and effort and energy, and that will hurt. Uh, and I never had to go through that uh, like they did without, uh, to learn that, amen? Uh, and so, well, so we need each other, amen? I need you, you need me. And, and you know, I, I think the majority of Christians believe that. Uh, that's an appropriate and a healthy way to be. It's a small percentage of people who actually don't believe they need anybody. Uh, and and um, those are always the toughest ones to deal with because they already know everything, you know. And usually it's, you know, they're under 30 years old, right? Uh, I know when I was under 30 years old, I was pretty sure I knew everything, you know. I'm glad, uh, let's see. Uh, well, Dora knew me when I was under 30. The majority of you all didn't know me when I was under 30. So hopefully she's long forgotten the things, that, the way I acted when I was that age. <laughs> and so, uh, but the Lord is good, amen. And so Chris is in California. She'll be back with us uh, tomorrow uh, back here in Tennessee. And so, uh, why don't we pray and we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the Word of God, for blessing us each and every day with your Word. 
And Father, we depend upon your spirit to, to lead us and guide us to all truth, Father, to show us what your word means for our individual lives and how we apply it, Father, and how we grow in faith because of it. And so we depend upon the teacher, the supernatural teacher, Father, the one who reveals and instructs and provides us information, Father, and revelation. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We'll continue there tonight. So <clears throat> we were talking last week about uh, Timothy and how uh, he's a good example for us as a son of, the, uh, of Paul's faith, right? He called him my own son in the faith. Uh, and so uh, it appears that, uh, that, that Timothy was born again under the ministry of Paul and, uh, and served with Paul and really served Paul for many years. In fact, Paul wrote a couple of books to Timothy as he progressed in the ministry and, and the tradition tells us that he was the pastor of the church at Ephesus uh, at some point in time in, in his ministry. And so uh, the, the thing that uh, Paul said, of course, we, there's a lot of things he said here about Timothy, but uh, he said in verse 20, Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state or your welfare. I have no man like-minded of the same soul. Uh, and, you know, really, you know, I think back to the time that when I was with, with my pastor, you know, my, my desire was to be the same soul as my pastor. Whatever he wanted was what I wanted because I was there to help him, right? As a, as a sound man and other uh, roles in the church, I was a member of what we call the Ministry of Helps, right? First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the Ministry of Helps. Uh, and the Ministry of Helps, what you reckon the number one responsibility is? To help, right? Oh, that's a big revelation right there, right? You all probably go, wow, I didn't even do that. Uh, that uh, that's not even, not even a great revelation, right? It is for some people, though, right? They think that their number one responsibility is to take over a church, right? To have a coup and, you know, uh, tell the pastor he's wrong and all these things. And, uh, and uh, last time I checked, that's not a role anywhere in the body of Christ. My job is to, is to correct the pastor. Now, not that I can't be corrected, you know, uh, but that's not really a role, right? That's not a role or responsibility listed in the, in the, in the Word of God. But, you know, as a ministry uh, of a member of the ministry of helps, your job is to be of the same soul, the same heart and desire that the pastor has. If you're in a, in a church or if you're in a ministry, same heart and soul as uh, the leader of the ministry. Like there's like Brother uh, Randy, uh, Randall Greer has got people that work for him and his ministry. Well, they ideally would be of the same soul, right? Whatever he wants is what I want. Uh, now, the, you know, that's not an absolute, right? It's not, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not getting into a cult where no matter what I do, you have to, you have to agree with it, right? That's, that would be uh, unbiblical, amen? But, you know, if I want things done in a certain way, you know, if I, if I want the, the, uh, the CDs to be printed with a certain title and certain date and, and things, well, anything wrong with having a certain title and a certain date on it? Well, no, then, then that's the way we should do it, right? Well, I don't think it should be done that way. Well, that's fine, but it doesn't really matter, right? Uh, you know, now if you have a better suggestion, you know, uh, that uh, I think sometimes, uh, and I have seen many ministries uh, stand up and, and kind of act like, uh, shut up and do what you're told, right? I'm in charge. You need to shut up and do what you're told. But the problem with that mentality is we live in the New Testament, right? We don't live in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, you know, the Spirit of God was primarily on the prophet, priest, and king. And so everybody else had to go to the prophet, priest, or king to get revelation. There was no revelation generally available for the, for the masses. Uh, on occasion, the Lord would, would grant special insight and wisdom to those who were doing things like constructing the temple and the, the, the artifacts of the temple. Uh, and he would grant to them special spirits. You know, the spirit of God was upon them to wisdom to do these things. And so, uh, but it was a very specific uh, anointing for that task. 
but the general anointing for to receive revelation wasn't on the masses because they weren't born again and so they had to go to a limited number of people to get that but we live in the new testament you have the spirit of god in you that means god can speak to you right he doesn't have to speak to me to speak to you he can speak to you directly i'm not necessary in in uh, uh in that conversation right you can have the conversation conversation anytime you want to and so the things that pertain to your life primarily are your responsibility to obtain from the spirit of god directly it's not my responsibility to tell you what the spirit of god wants you to do in your life that's your responsibility you are a born-again christian the spirit of god lives in you he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth amen and show you things to come he's not going to now he can he does on occasion show me things to come for you that, and that's fine right and, and uh, but that's not the primary way that we're led in the new testament well if we live in the new testament that means that the Spirit of God gives you revelation. He does, right? Uh, and I know, that, and that's not a conflict, conflict with what we were telling earlier. Uh, in fact, it's, it's in direct agreement with what we said earlier that we need each other. So there's going to be things that the Lord may give to you uh, that would be helpful for me to know. And if you have a role in the church, you know, Jared's got a role. Uh, you know, he's the, really the primary role. Of course, Chris has got a role as praise and worship leader and as, uh, as far as the... Uh, she runs the children's church as well. And so, uh, you know, if, if there's something that I want to do and, uh, and uh, related to the sound, well, Jared has a right to have an opinion about it. He can say, well, you know, that's fine, but what if we do it this way instead? In fact, when we were uh, installing the lights here, when we renovated the, the sanctuary, I was thinking we'd just bolt a big bar to the bottom of the truss there and, and, and put the lights on it, right? And the reason I thought of doing it that way, because that's the easiest way to get it done. And, you know, sometimes that's my priority. Get it, what's the easiest way to, to get it done, right? Well, Jared just, you know, he just shook, my, shook his head in, in pity, right, uh, as I mentioned that. He said, no, that, we can't do that. Uh, and, and, of course, I didn't even bother asking Chris, because once, uh, once he told me his ideas, like, there's no way Chris would have let me do that. In fact, I wasn't even going to ask him, because sometimes it's better to, to get forgiveness than permission, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, anyway, you know, well, let's stick them up on the ceiling. Well, it, it was way better. It's a way better uh, plan to do it that way, right? So we, we should have, you know, there should be a normal uh, uh, option to give insight and wisdom into those things. Uh, and, and we should never be of the opinion in leadership that I'm the only one who knows. Because, that, that again, um, if I've hired you for a role, Jared has a role, uh, then I expect the Spirit of God to give him wisdom and insight into his role. And if I, if, you know, even though I'm the pastor, you know, I know the general, you know, I want the sound to sound well. Okay, well, that's fine. Well, how do we do that? Well, turn 16 buttons and knobs. You know, I don't have to know which 16 buttons and knobs to turn to make that happen, but uh, we can be in agreement in that. Then how that gets executed, uh, you know, Jared can figure that out. But, you know, there was a time, and of course, we won't mention any names, but, um, you know, we had the children's church and we were having, uh, you know, it was uh, getting to the point where, we needed, and you know, times and seasons, right? Uh, we don't have many children come to the church right now, but there will, it'll happen again. We'll have a bumper crop of them come through at some point in time. And so we, we set up, you know, a sign-up sheet, you know, who, who wants to work in the nursery, right? Who wants to work in the children's church? Because my, my goal as a pastor is to minimize how much time people are outside of the services, Right? So, I mean, we could have one person do all that work, but then how often are they here? Well, they're not, not going to be in the service very often. So that means they're going to lose connection with where the Lord is moving the ministry. Amen. So if we can minimize that, doesn't, doesn't mean we're minimizing the uh, ministry to the children. 
uh, we want to, in fact, I, I think we do a great job. We teach them the Word of God, the Spirit of God. They also have fun. Uh, you know, you can't teach them six Hebrew words, you know, to a, to a toddler, right? Uh, you, you play some games with them, and you, show, you give them some insight into, into some of the Bible stories, and, and then you just have fun, right? And so, uh, and that's fine. But So we set up a sign-up sheet, so I walk in one day, and the sign-up sheet was gone. And, you know, and I thought that was odd. And I said, hey, what happened to the sign-up sheet? Well, well, someone said, well, we don't need that anymore. Well, now, see, we've got a problem because I set up the sign-up sheet. And then somebody else decided that they don't need it anymore. Well, you know, last time I checked, you know, I mean, right there's my office. It's got my name on it. There's nobody else's name on it over there. Uh, and so, you know, now, look, if you didn't think it needed to be, I mean, you could have asked, right? Hey, you know, it's okay if we, here's a better thing, right? But it wasn't a better thing. It was they just wanted to make a decision without my input. And, and you know, the problem I got with that is that's just rebellion. That, that's, that's nasty, you know, smells bad rebellion. And it doesn't matter if, if the, the, the idea is correct or not. If it's done with an attitude of rebellion or strife, right, or contention, it's just, it just, no, we don't do that, right? We don't do that around here. And so, you know, I didn't say anything, but I went and had a conversation with them at, at their house, Later on, after that, and they read me the riot act, told me how sorry of a pastor I was, and said, if you don't change, we're not coming back to the church. <laughs> I mean, there's not a decision to make there, right? Well, I hope you have a good life, because you don't run the church, right? I don't answer to you. I answer to Lord Jesus. I answer to Brother, to brother Randy. Now, I answer to you all from the standpoint of being a Christian, right? If, if I'm doing something that's un, un, uh, ungodly, you know, you have a perfect right to say, hey, pastor, you know, you should straighten up there, not, not uh, do those things. But, you know, in running the church, you know, if, you know, we got the chairs, you know, in, uh, we got five chairs over there and four chairs over there and five chairs over there. If, uh, I mean, if you just came in to start rearranging everything, you know, I just, without any input, you know, just, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, would you do that? Would you, would, uh, would uh, you come to my house and rearrange my furniture? I wouldn't come to your house and rearrange your furniture and go, you know, hey, where you got your TV? No, that's not going to work, you know. I mean, what's it matter to me where you put your TV, right? That's, you know, that's just wrong. You're, you're out of the will of God. Uh, and yet people will do things like that, right? Uh, and well, that's not the same soul, right? That is not someone who's like-minded. That's not someone who's there to help, amen? You know, I, like I said, I ran sound for 20, nearly 20 years for my pastor, and my only goal was to do whatever he wanted. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, there was, there was one, there's one lady in particular, she'd sit on the front row, and we used to have speakers uh, hanging from the ceiling because, you know, there was... The ceiling was kind of short, and so uh, we had them. Uh, uh, they were on, on some um, posts there in the middle of the sanctuary, uh, and, and she would sit right in front of them, right in front of the speaker, right? And so it was, it, if she was sitting there, it'd be about where that plant is right there, about her, her, the distance from her to the speaker. Well, where do you think the loudest place in the church would be? Where that plant is, right? And so she'd come back to the sound booth, and I'm deaf, I can't hear it, you know, it's way too loud. I mean, just, and just mean and hateful. You know, it's like, who stole your cookie, right? I mean, just, why are you so mean and mad at me? I didn't do anything. This is not a moral question, right? And, and, and so just mad about it. Well, you know, do I answer to her? I don't answer to her. But, you know, uh, I'd check with the pastor. He's the, it's his church, right? And I'd go to the pastor. Pastor, you know, what do you think about the sounds? Is it too loud? No, it's fine. Okay, well, then that's all you got to know, right? And this went on for years. She's just mad at me. She's just, I mean, 
you know, just, it's like she hated my mama, you know, just, I, I can't even stand your mama because she burped you. And, 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 you know, what's wrong with you? And so one time she got so mad because it was so loud, she, she, she walked to the back of the church, you know, where the sound booth was. We had a little table there next to the sound booth. And, and now look, just like here, we got, you know, if, if uh, you're having a crying fit, we got all kinds of tissue boxes everywhere, right? I mean, you cry all day long and you got tissues everywhere. We had the same thing at my pastor's church. In fact, that's where I got the idea. Well, that's a pretty good idea. You know, sometimes people need a tissue. Fine. Well, she skipped 100 boxes of tissues and went to the back of the sanctuary where the tissues, more tissues were, and got a couple and stuck them in her ear. And, and didn't do it, you know, subtly she stuck them in her ear so they're all hanging out of her ears. So now she looks like she's got rabbit ears. And she, and she walks back to the front of the church. So she's going to show me. I'm going to show you. you know, I'm going to show you. I stick these uh, tissues in my ear. You know, and you could just, you know, you could just feel the haughtiness and the how puffed up she was. I'm going to show you, you know. And, of course, I'm just laughing. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. You know, I, I, I hope when we get to heaven, there's videotapes of things. Gonna be, I'm going to be like, hey, y'all, come here. Look, here's the video. Now, she won't be mad then. You know, I know she'll, she'll think it's funny, too. She probably still doesn't think it's funny yet, but I still think it's funny. Yeah. And so, so, so she, and she walked all the way back to the front of the church with these tissues in her ear. <laughs> and it's like, look, I asked the pastor. You know, I, I'm there to help him. And if he wants it loud, well, then... We got to figure. You got to get over it, right? Just go, you know, sit anywhere else, but sit right there, right? Well, that's my seat. I mean, did you die for that seat? I mean, did you purchase that chair? I don't know, but you know, not the same mind, right? See, see, she should have checked with the pastor. You know, pastor, you know, because uh, it, it's not me. It's, it's, I run it to his, to his desire, right? If he, if he liked it loud, he liked it kind of loud. Uh, in fact, you know, oftentimes it was probably too loud. It got over a hundred decibels, you know. And, and you had to find a seat and there's somewhere in the church. But listen, there were services, and you may not even believe this, but same service, right? One person over here come back, I can't hear a thing. Same service, I, you know, it's too loud, I'm deaf. Uh, and so well, which way is it? Well, it's like, well, why don't you talk to that guy over there and you just swap places, right? Because apparently over there is fine and over there is too loud. And so, uh, but um, it, what I would encourage you to do is anytime you do anything for somebody else, whether it's a pastor or your boss or whoever, be of, of the same mind, right? Be, be uh, find out what they want. If you answer to them, right, find out what they want and do it to their, to, in, with their best interest in mind, amen? It's really simple because um, we're all, we are all servants, amen? I'm a servant, you're a servant, we're all servants of the Most High God, and, and we will always be servants, amen? The, the position of Godhead will not come up for hire anytime soon, amen? We'll always answer to the Lord Jesus eventually. Uh, and, of course, some people think that's the only, only answer to the Lord Jesus. That's not true. Uh, uh, except for a very few people in the whole uh, history of humanity, all of us will report to somebody. Amen. For all eternity. Amen. Uh, you know, I answered to Brother Randy. He called me, if he called me up today, he said, hey, you know what you said over there on that service, you know, uh, every now and then he, you know, I don't know if he's spying or not, but every now and then he'll watch the service, you know, on our, on our church, right? Uh, and and uh, if he called me up and said, hey, you know, that right there, then, you know, and, and if it was biblical, right, I mean, you know, if he just comes up and says, hey, you know, some crazy thing, you know, I, I mean, again, I answered the Lord Jesus ultimately, but, but uh, I would have to give his, his concerns uh, a reasonable um, uh, well, uh, consideration is what I'm trying to say, give a consideration of whatever he said, uh, just like uh, the Bereans did with Paul in Acts chapter 17, right? That they were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was so, right? So I would have to search the scriptures, and if it was so, then, then I would yield to it, amen? Uh, uh, and so, 
So that, that was Timothy. And, and so Timothy was really Paul's son of the faith. But then he, then he switched gears a little bit uh, and um, gets down to verse 25 here. And he says, um, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my, that ministered to my want. So whereas Timothy was really a child of faith of Paul, right? So he kind of answered to Paul in that. Uh, he calls Epaphroditus my brother, my uh, companion in labor, fellow soldier. Uh, and so uh, he was a fellow workman uh, uh, with Paul. In fact, the word messenger there, uh, and I don't know why the, the King James people translated it this way, but the word messenger is exactly the same word as translated apostle in other verses, right? When Paul said, Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus, that word apostle there is the same word here that's translated messenger. So Epaphroditus was another apostle. And, and, of course, some people say there was only 13 apostles in the New Testament, right? The original 12 plus Paul. And they said that, uh, uh, that uh, um, the apostle that replaced um, Judas in, in Acts chapter 1 wasn't valid, that Paul was supposed to be the apostle of the Lamb. But that's not so because uh, we're not going to go back there. But if you go back and read the, the requirements for an apostle of the Lamb... They had to be eyewitnesses of the ministry of Jesus. Well, Paul was not an eyewitness of the ministry of Jesus, right? Uh, and so, so if you go through the scriptures, there, there are, uh, in the New Testament, there's about 25 apostles mentioned, either by name directly or, or in general. Uh, and so uh, that being said, there are more apostles than just the 12 apostles of the Lamb. In fact, you know, just to, to summarize that, we went through this in great detail uh, when we studied the book of Galatians, but... Remember, there are four classes of apostles, right? The first class of the apostles is the Lord Jesus. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession, or profession, as Hebrews says. So Jesus is the highest apostle, right? He's the highest sent one. The word apostle means a sent one. Uh, and so he's the highest apostle. Then you have the apostles of the Lamb, which were the 12 apostles that were assigned to be witnesses of the ministry of Jesus. So their responsibility was to go out and start telling people what they witnessed as the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And that's pretty much what they did, right, in the book of Acts. Yeah, and although, you know, there was 12 of them, uh, really after Acts chapter 2, you didn't really hear much about the other, uh, other nine or so. You didn't hear it about Peter, James, and John, but the other nine, you know, we don't, we don't really have much record that they did anything. Uh, my guess is they did, but we don't know what they did uh, in that regard. So my guess is they acted as a witness to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. So if they, were, if they were assigned to be witnesses of the ministry of Jesus, can anybody else be an apostle of the Lamb today? No, why? Because Jesus isn't here. Nobody can witness the ministry of Jesus. So that, that class of an apostle has come to an end, right? And, and so that's part of the reason why people come up with doctrine that says there's no, there are no more apostles. But then you get to the next class of an apostle, which are those who wrote Scripture. And pretty much all the, all the uh, uh, books that were the epistles were written by apostles, right? Uh, Paul and James and, and Peter and... Uh, and, and we just have to assume that Jude was one because everybody else that wrote epistles were an apostle. Uh, and so uh, how many more Bible uh, books are going to be written? No more Bible books written, right? So what about the Book of Mormon? It's a whole new Bible book, right? It, it, did that count? No, it didn't count, right? It's, it's crazy talk, right? Uh, it, it's, it's foolishness. It's not even scriptural. It's... it's, it's uh, uh, it's, uh, it's just really loony, anyway, but that's not a whole discussion there, too, right? So uh, if there's no more Bible books being written, 
are there any more, we call them foundation apostles, it's not a biblical phrase, but we just classify these, these apostles as those who are foundational, they wrote the foundation doctrine that we, we rest our faith upon. There are no more Bible books going to be written, so there are no more, there's no more need for a foundation apostle. Amen. And then you get the fourth class of apostle, which is the Ephesians 4.11 apostle, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Uh, and if you go to chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, it says that God has given uh, specifically the apostle and prophet revelation. Well, is there, is there, uh, has revelation come to an end? Is there going to be more revelation that we get from the current word that we have? It's in the six, the six, six books. Is there any more revelation that we can obtain tomorrow from these same 66 books? There is, right? There will always be new revelation available from here. Not new doctrine, right? It's not like, you know, there's a whole new salvation doctrine, you know, but there's revelation about what that salvation means to us. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, and someone made a, a point, uh, and, you know, you just have to meditate on this. You know, I, I believe this to be a valid point. Uh, and if you don't, it, it's fine. It, it's, not a, it's not a big deal. But, you know, they were talking about, um, about the, the legacy of specifically Brother Hagen. If you look at his legacy, he was in ministry 70 years. And if you look at the doctrine that he left to us, none of it was like new scripture, right? In, in fact, uh, uh, if you look at his, his doctrine, it's very, to me, it's very simple, right? The name of Jesus is the authority that we, res, we, we operate with as a, as a uh, child of God. Okay, that makes perfect sense, right? It's all through the New Testament, right? Uh, uh, his name, through faith in his name, has made this man well. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, right? So our authority resides in the name of Jesus. And if you look at, look at the whole uh, collection of revelation that Brother Hagen has delivered to us, uh, there's really no more major revelation that the church will probably receive until the Lord Jesus gets back, uh, as, far as, you know, as far as we know now. Could there be some out there? There could be some out there, right? But, uh, but I mean, he covered it all, right? Blood of Jesus, name of Jesus, healing, uh, the, the nine minister gifts, right? Prophecy, uh, the, the fivefold ministry gifts. I mean, he covered such a wide range. Now, he didn't go into, into much of the end time events uh, that, you know, people like Hilton Sutton has left us a lot of that. And that's probably an area that there's probably still some revelation out there. But that's kind of end time, and that, that's uh, a little bit different than, than the epistles type of revelation you know, who we are in Christ, you know, in him, that type of revelation. Uh, and, and so what we'll do is we'll build upon those revelations, right? Uh, we won't come up with a, hey, hey you know, uh, there's this new thing that we have access to that we didn't really know about for the last 2,000 years that we haven't been using, like the name of Jesus or, or the value of the blood of Jesus or the plan of redemption, you know, different things like that. Uh, and so this one minister was making the, the case that, you know, as far as the body of doctrine we have today, the foundational doctrine we have you know, we're not going to expand on that very much between now and the Lord Jesus comes back. We'll, what we will do is, is increase our revelation on any one of those. Amen. Uh, it's not a big deal, but um, uh, I have wondered about that, that, you know, uh, there's not any real new revelation that's been coming out. Now, every now and then people will come up with a new revelation like, like grace, right? <clears throat> uh, extreme grace where just live how you want to. God doesn't care. You know, don't have to repent. All is great. That's crazy talk, right? I mean, how many, if you just go through the New Testament, look at how many times Paul said repent, or any of the apostles said to repent. Lots of times, right? And not just in 1 John 1, 9. Uh, and so, uh, so, yeah, just, well, that's, that's not new doctrine. That's, in fact, that's old doctrine, right? That goes back to the time of, of even the, the Roman Catholic Church back in, they could just buy your way out of sin. You never have to repent again. 
Uh, and then, you know, people come up and say, well, 1 John was not written to the church. Well, why do you think they want to get rid of 1 John? So they can specifically get rid of 1 John 1, 9, right? That if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So in their hearts, in their mind, it, that's a new revelation, new doctrine. That the whole book of the Bible is no longer in effect. Well, that's not new doctrine. That's old doctrine, right? That's the same Antichrist doctrine has been in the world since Paul's ministry, right? Same against the anointing of God. And so anytime somebody's trying to do away with things, right? Uh, how many people are trying to do away with the supernatural? All the time trying to get rid of the supernatural. Well, that's bad doctrine, right? That's not new doctrine. So, so Epaphroditus was an apostle. He was in the fourth class of the apostle. Any books of the Bible written by Epaphroditus? No. Was he, in, uh, was he one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb? No. Was he the Lord Jesus? No. So he was, he's in a class of an apostle that didn't write scripture, didn't witness the ministry of Jesus, as far as we know. And at least he didn't stand in the office of the apostle of the Lamb. And he's not the Lord Jesus. So he's in the fourth class of the apostles, the apostles that we have today. He's there to grant the church uh, uh, revelation and insight into things that would be of value to them in their day-to-day walk. Uh, and so that's his, it's his job. So Paul called him uh, a, a fellow soldier, a fellow uh, a worker uh, with him amen uh, and so uh, but he's their apostle so um, you know and we don't really know a whole lot about when he said that uh, but you're your messenger or your apostle and he that ministered to my wants uh, provided for my wants we'll get some more into the d- d- detail later so uh, did Epaphroditus start the church at Ephesus or or was he just uh, a key a key minister in their development as a church, you know, it's got to be one of those two, right? If he's their apostle, uh, and, you know, the, the, we're still in the early stage of the whole church, right? So the majority of the churches in, in this time frame, in this point of history, were established by apostles. There's no scripture in the, in the Bible that says churches have to be established by apostles, but the apostles were, the, uh, and they still are, the highest rank of the body of Christ and they will tend to have the ability to stand in all the offices of the fivefold ministry gifts, including the pastor. So oftentimes, like Paul did, he would go to a certain location, establish his church, be there for a year or two and the, uh, as a pastor and pastor them, but he would hand that off then to somebody else, and he would go and start a church somewhere else. All the apostles that we know about in the New Testament did not start churches, so it's not a requirement that all apostles start churches. Uh, many of them did, but not all of them did. Did Epaphroditus start the church at start the church at Philippi? It doesn't appear that he did, but it, it does appear that he at least had a strong relationship with uh, these uh, Christians at uh, at Philippi, and that he was a, a big part of their spiritual growth. And so, uh, in that regards, then he, he called them uh, his uh, his messenger, or, or he called them uh, their apostle. Right, that he was the apostle for uh, the people at. at uh, uh, at Philippi. And so, uh, and look, you know, some of these things we don't have a lot of details about, amen? So you kind of look at it and, and uh, uh, you, you, you learn what you can out of there and other things, you know, you can make some, some guesses about what happened, what was going on. It's not really all that important except we do know that he was an apostle. So, uh, and in that, it helps us to, to expand our understanding that apostles are not limited to the apostles of the Lamb, right? Uh, or even foundation apostles so uh, and then he continues on and says for he longed after you and was full of heaviness because he because that you had heard that he had been sick 
Uh, and so, you know, uh, these next few verses to me are interesting because uh, Epaphroditus was full of heaviness, right? And that, that word uh, heaviness there, uh, you know, different, uh, you look at a different uh, uh, context, but uh, it's heaviness, being troubled, being distressed, anguished, or even depressed. Uh, and in the New Testament, there's a few different words for, for being depressed, and this one is the strongest one for being depressed. So here's an apostle that was in, uh, had trouble and anxiety and even depression uh, because he was concerned that other people were worrying about him. Uh, and, you know, that's, uh, that's really odd, right? That uh, the church at Philippi was, was concerned or maybe even worrying about uh, Epaphroditus because he was sick, and we'll get into a little bit about why he was sick, uh, but they were worried that he was sick. And because they were worried he was sick, he was depressed because they were worried about him. Well, that's just all messed up right there, right? That is not uh, having the mind of Christ right there, right? Uh, and, you know, there's some things that, that we can learn from these things because, you know, this, this really happened. Uh, and, you know, you, sometimes you think, you think these people uh, like Epaphroditus, even Paul, were these super mature uh, spiritual people. But, you know, they don't have the, the, the insight that even we have, right? Because we've got 2,000 years of revelation that we've had to spend to look at Paul's writings and discern what was going on and get some insight and put them all together. And, you know, we've had a lot of years that, you know, Epaphroditus, how many New Testament books did Epaphroditus carry with him? Probably zero, right? I mean, he literally had no books of the Bible that he could carry with him, maybe Old Testament scrolls, but he had no, no, uh, I mean, we're in chapter two, so, so surely even he hasn't got the Philippians chapter four yet, right? Be anxious for nothing. So he, he doesn't know that it exists yet because it hasn't been written. So, uh, so, you know, people like Epaphroditus, you know, although they were uh, probably great men of faith to do, accomplish great things for the Lord, their day-to-day -day walk of faith probably didn't have the same foundation, the ability to have the same foundation that you and I have. Right? We have got a great blessing that we've got these words here. We don't need any other words besides these, but these words that we have in the Word of God, especially the New Testament, especially the epistles, we have such an advantage, even over an apostle here, that he's worrying because somebody else is concerned that he's sick. Uh, he's almost depressed, right? A strong word, uh, depressed, because it's bothering him that other people are bothered about him. Uh, but, you know, we, don't we see that today? When, when uh, you know, that you get bothered because somebody else is bothered about you? Uh, and, um, but does, it, does that mean it's okay to do that? Well, no, it doesn't mean it's okay to do that. It, but it, it does show us that Hey, here, here's something that even an apostle was depressed because somebody was concerned about him. Well, then we, we need to have our minds renewed that, that, okay, number one, you don't need to worry about me, right? Uh, you, don't, you should never worry about me, amen? You can care about me and love me and those types of things, but, you know, worrying about me, because you know, we're, we're going to get there chapter four eventually where it says, be anxious for nothing, amen? Uh, well, if being anxious for nothing is so, then how many things can you worry about? Well, nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing means be anxious for nothing, right? I mean, there's no out. There's no, unless it's your kids or unless it's Epaphroditus, unless it's your apostle. There's no outs, right? There's no, there's no, uh, there's no reason to do that. And so be, because, you know, really, uh, and I don't, I don't mean this in any kind of unkind way at all. I don't need your worry. I don't need your anxiety for me. I need your faith for me, right? Me worrying about your sickness doesn't help you at all. 
Right? If I'm wringing my hands, they're sick or they're in sin or they're, they're doing something bad, it's going to hurt them. How am I helping them? I'm not helping them at all. The only way I can help them is, Lord, I, I see that they're not well. Then, Lord, I, I speak healing over their body in the name of Jesus. That's the only way I can help them. Uh, Lord, they're not doing right. They're in sin. If they continue this path, it's not going to be good for them. Well, then, Lord, show them. Show them the path that they're on is not right. Show them that the end of their path only leads to death and destruction. And between now and then, we ask you to grant them mercy, to watch over them and keep them safe until their faith can rise up uh, strong enough to override the actions of their flesh. That's what they need, right? They don't need me worrying. I don't need to worry about you. Uh, I need to believe for you. Amen? And so the Philippians didn't need to be worrying about Paul or Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus surely didn't need to be depressed because they were concerned about him. And yet he was. Uh, But, you know, again, uh, I've got 66 books of the Bible that I can carry with me every way. And I've got hundreds of translations of of these same 66 books that I can look at in multiple different ways. And I'm way ahead of Epaphroditus, way ahead of even Paul, right? Because Paul didn't have, when Paul was writing this in chapter 2, he didn't have chapter 4 yet, did he? Because he's still at chapter 2, right? No, so he hadn't got there. When he gets there, he'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, and so uh, I just think it's interesting that uh, here we are, an apostle is depressed. Not because of anything that, that he's experienced, but because somebody he cares about is, is worrying about him. And so, you know, he did care about him. And, you know, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to, to care for people. You just have to be careful about not taking that care beyond and, and turning it into anxiety, right? Because, you know, I mean, that guy on the, on the mountain in Tibet, I don't care about him. I don't not care about him. I just don't either want, I neither not care about him or do care about him. I don't even know him, right? So it's not personal. It's just, you know, but people I know, I care about them. I care that they do well. I care that they are successful and are happy in this life and are safe and protected and blessed and increased. You know, and that's normal, right? We, we want everybody in our lives to do well and to be well, amen? Uh, and so... So it's just, it's just interesting uh, there that, uh, uh, that, he had, uh, that he was in that situation, right? Uh, and so then he gets to verse 27 there. And he says, uh, for indeed he was sick. So, you know, they, they, they were concerned. The Philippian church was concerned that Epaphroditus was sick. Uh, they'd heard that he'd been sick. And Paul said he was sick and nigh to death, nearly dead. Uh, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So, uh, just real quick then, uh, we got to ask, well, why was he sick? Right? What, what was wrong with Epaphroditus? You know, did we know? Now, over, I think it's in, uh, well, it's, uh, I think it's First Timothy chapter 4. We'll have to look at that. But uh, where Paul said that, uh, that, uh, uh, that Philemon, he left at Miletus sick. Right? And that's all we have. That's all the details we have. We don't know why he was sick. We don't know why Paul left him. Uh, I imagine Paul left him because I got to go, right? I got to go play. I got places to go, but we don't have any other details. But Epaphroditus, we do have details because it comes down here, down to verse 30. And it says, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, uh, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. So, and I don't know if Paul's really trying to stick his thumb in the, in the eyeballs of the Philippians here or not, you know, but he's saying, look, you weren't, you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing for me. And so Epaphroditus had to pick up the slack, right? Now, I don't know if he's saying that as a correction or if it's just, you know, because sometimes things happen, especially, you know, in this day and time, everything took forever, right? I mean, I'm going to go to Philippi. Okay, well, I'll leave today. And I'll get there in November. 
right? I mean, you know, it wasn't, you can't just get on an airplane and go there and be there in an hour, right? Everything was, take, took forever, right? Uh, if you're going to go to Rome, well, you know, uh, it's going to take me a year to get there, right? I'll, I'll see you, I'll see you in two years, right? And, and so, uh, so, you know, just doing things quickly and easily wasn't, wasn't convenient many times, wasn't even possible many times, right? Because of the effort uh, uh, in transportation and communication. And so, so we don't really know, uh, but he did say that. Look, uh, I was needing this work to be done by you. Whatever this work was, right? Whatever this thing was, I was needing, needing that to be done by the entire church at Philippi. You were unable to do it, so Epaphroditus stepped in and, and did it, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, there's, there's a few things that we can look at this, that he was nigh to death, but God had mercy on him. So, Number one is, uh, who is mercy uh, needed by? Who, who needs mercy more than anybody else? <laughs> he said, me. <laughs> That's the right answer. But, uh, but specifically, mercy is needed for the guilty, right? If you've done something wrong, you need mercy, right? If you're doing everything right, will you ever need mercy? If you were perfect, would you ever need mercy? See, that's why I never need mercy. Right? I'm always, no, I, uh, that's not true. I, 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 in fact, the Bible says that uh, uh, you'll get no mercy who has shown no mercy. Amen. So I try to show lots of mercy. So when and if I do need mercy, I can go, Lord, see my account over there. Uh, I've got lots of mercy built up there. But so, so mercy, is for, uh, mercy is for the guilty, right? Mercy is for those who, who are not doing right. So God had mercy uh, on him, on Epaphroditus. So that tells us a little bit right there because uh, now we don't know all the details, but we do know that, that something wasn't right, right? That, that, that Epaphroditus was not well because something wasn't right, right? Because if he, everything was right, you know, if you're in perfect faith, amen? Uh, you know, if, say, say you get sick tomorrow, can you use faith to get over that sickness? Sure, any time of the day, right? I mean, you don't, you don't have to have mercy. You've got faith, right? The Bible says that by his stripes you were healed. You don't need mercy to overcome sickness because we have faith for that, amen? So if you need mercy to overcome sickness, then there's something wrong there, right? There's an issue there, that, that something that requires more than just faith, right? Because mercy says there's, a, there's guilt there and uh, we need to address that. So, so what's the guilt? Well, there's you know, a couple of options we look at. Number one is, he said that he, uh, in, in verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. So it appears that he overworked himself, right? That he exceeded his natural ability to, because he's one man trying to make up for the work of the entire church at Philippi, right? So, so whatever the work was, you know, if he was writing scrolls or, or maybe he was having to do all the social media stuff, updates every day, right? And, and, and I mean, it might have been a lot of work, right? He might have sending out his email newsletter or something. I mean, who knows, right? What the deal? What the deal was? But whatever the work was, it was more than he could physically do by himself, and yet he tried to do it. Right? He attempted to do it. So, uh, and that's to me that's the most the, that's the most reasonable explanation because that's, I think that's what verse thirty implies is that he basically nearly worked himself to death, uh, and so and so he got out of the will of God in doing that. And in doing that, then, you know, when you get out of the will of God, even if it's for a good purpose, it's still out of the will of God. Amen. And so, you know, sin is not always, well, you've robbed a bank. Sin is anything that falls short of, of, uh, of the Lord, right? 
just uh, that the, the word sin means to, to fall short of his word, right, of his will. So if you just took that whole burden upon yourself and didn't ask for help and, you know, just thought you could do it, you just man up, you know, just do it, just man up, you know. Well, you can get out of the will of God in that, amen? Now, there's a balance to, to these things too, right? Because does that mean that we should never work hard? Does that mean that, you know, you don't press through sometimes and, and try to really do it? I mean, I, you know, so let's turn back to John chapter 4 and we'll look at one other, uh, just another scripture here. Because, uh, you know, I've seen people kind of use scriptures like this to say, well, I should never work hard. Well, that's all relative, right? Because, I mean, uh, are you, you know, Johnny, you're not 80 years old yet. Are you 80 years old next month, right? October, 80 years old next month. Well, Johnny's 80 years old next month. You know, he's the only one in this church that can outwork me that I know of, right? And so uh, he's 80 years old, uh, and he can still, you know, uh, outwork me, you know? And so I'm trying to catch up to him, though, as hard as I can. Uh, and, and so, uh, and he does great, right? Well, so, so Johnny's hard work, you know, puts a lot of people half his age to shame, right? So does that mean everybody has to work as hard as Johnny? Well, no, Johnny's got that skill. He's got that, he's got the fortitude, he's got the mental capacity, he's got the physical capacity to do that. And so it's not a competition, right? Uh, except I do try to compete with Johnny, you know. Uh, you ever seen him on an on a, on a, on a, uh, extension ladder? You know, he, you know, like normal people like me, we go up the ladder, we come down the ladder, we move the ladder, we go back up the ladder, come down the ladder, move. Johnny's at the top and he just starts hopping the ladder, right? And uh, it's, 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 you know, it's like, wow, it's like a miracle. I mean, I didn't know that was a thing, right? Who does stuff like that? Uh, and so, so here Jesus is, we know the story when he was at the well there, right? Uh, and and it's so uh, Jesus is at the, uh, is, is uh, here at the well, and let's just read in verse 6. He said, now Jacob's well was there. They were in Samaria. Jesus, therefore, being what? Wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And, was, and it was about the six hours, about noontime. So did Jesus get tired? He got tired, right? He had a, a, a body without the sin nature. He had a body that was in all, in all points identical to Adam, uh, nearly identical to Adam's body, right? He was called the, the last Adam. And uh, he didn't have the sin nature. He had the spirit without measure, so, but he still got tired. So it just tells you it doesn't matter if you get a, a uh, doesn't matter what your body's like, you're going to get tired, especially in this world, right? Now, when we get a glorified body, I don't know, but he had the, the he had the body without sin nature, and he still got tired. So uh, it appears that there is a limit to our physical bodies. So Jesus is tired here. He's resting. He needs to eat. In fact, they they went uh, uh, they left there. Uh, in verse 8, his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat, to buy food. Why? Because he was tired and hungry. So he needed rest and needed to eat. Amen. Uh, but then he has a whole conversation with the woman at the well, right? And finally they came back from the, from the city. Uh, and uh, it says in verse 30, Then they went out of the city and came unto him, in the meanwhile, his, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. They urged him to eat. And, but he said unto them, I have meat or food to eat that you know not of. So what's the purpose of food? It's our sustenance, right? It strengthens us. It gives us the energy to continue on and to do the work that we need to do. Uh, and so, uh, so he's telling them, I've got the secret food. 
Now, of course, they're like, you know, what are you talking about? In, in verse 33, therefore said his disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Uh, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. So, so Jesus said here that my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So this verse 34 is really the key. So, Number one is you can't make a law. I can work six hours and that's it. You know, if you make a law, then what you're saying is, Lord, don't ever give me any special food, right? Remember, even back in the Old Testament, Daniel, you know, he was, he was weak and the, the, Gabriel gave him food, right? And, and then you remember uh, Elijah, uh, remember when the rain came, he, uh, he outran the chariot. And then Jesus here talking to the woman at, at the well here, although he's tired, but he's been... By doing the will of God, he's actually refreshed, right? He's actually uh, no longer hungry, no longer needs the, the natural food and sustenance. Uh, he was strengthened by doing the will of God. My meat is to do the will of him, of him that sent me. So, uh, you know, from reading all of the counsel of God in the whole scriptures, what we need to do is, number one is we need to do the will of God, right? In every circumstance, what's the will of God? Father, how much do you want me to work in this situation? Do you want me to do it all or just not do it all? Right. You know, it, it, the, and the problem with with trying to do it all is there's just always more work than there's ever that can be done by you in this lifetime. Right. There's more. You just never can get everything done. I mean, I, there, I've always got 100 things I'm doing every day and it never gets done because as soon as those 100 things are done, there's 100 more things to do. And it's not it's not bad things. They're just things. Right. Things to get done, you know, just studying and, and you know, uh, just uh, working in different Bible translations and. Uh, writing books and they're just things to do right uh, and studying to 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 take place and well, how, well, how hard should you study there's no there's no there's no limit right there's no specific set amount it's whatever the will of god is for you right and so uh, uh, what i've heard other ministers do is they say well you know i only preach so many so many weeks and then i have to take so many months off yeah but that's that to me it sounds like a law See, if that's a law, then you're saying, Spirit of God, don't ever, don't ever ask me to do anything. You know, like talk to this woman. If I'm tired, I'm not talking to a woman at the well. You know, woman, I'm, I'm tired. Leave me alone. Well, she's a human being. She needs help. And you're exhausted and tired and weary. You know, weary means to be tired, exhausted, right? Uh, does that mean that you can't press through and help somebody if they need help because of the will of God? Well, you can. Jesus did. And he was sustained by it. And he, and he was refreshed by it, by doing the will of God. So from my perspective, there's no law. The law is you, you sense the Spirit of God in your life, and that's what you go by. And whatever that means, however far that goes, then that's what you take it, right? And for some people, you know, you may have only trained yourself to be able to work this much. Uh, and then after that, you know, the Spirit of God said, well, for you, you know, that's as far as you can go. But for somebody else, maybe they've trained themselves to be in faith more, and they can work more. Uh, yeah. So what's the amount? Well, there's no amount, right? If we put a law on it, then we're saying, Spirit of God, don't ever exceed this limit right here. This is my limit, and don't ever ask me to do anything more than this. I just, I just have a hard time telling the head of the church that I'm only willing to do so much. To me, it's, Lord, you, my life is yours. If you want me to double up, then I expect you to sustain me, right? I, if you tell me that that has to get done, then I expect you to empower me just like you did Jesus to do this work, amen? You know, it, Brother Hagen had a good 
had a good rule of thumb, right? It wasn't a law, but it was a good rule of thumb, is he would minister to people, right? And sometimes he ministered hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people. And did he have a cutoff? 600 people, that's it. Year 601, no prayer for you. Too bad. Go back. Go back to your chair. No, there was no limit. His limit was he would go until the Spirit of God lift from him. Once the anointing lifted, then he said, that's it. We're going to the house, boys. You know, uh, we're done for the night. Well, what was that number? There was no number. What was that? Hours. There was no hours. It was just he would go until the Spirit of God lifted. And so he would sense, well, if the Spirit of God's left, then I should leave. And that's a pretty good rule of thumb, right? But some people's like, you know, uh, first 50 people, that's it. And after that, we're not doing nobody else, right? Well, well why? You know, I mean, we prayed for, uh, we were, I remember we were in, in a church in, um, uh, in Africa. And, uh, you know, a lot of these churches, pretty good-sized churches, hundreds of people were there. And so, uh, you know, I said, uh, I had an altar call. Anybody want to get saved? You know, a few people raised their hand. Anybody want to get spirit-filled? A few people raised their hand. I said, well, come up here, then we'll pray for you. Everybody came up. <laughs> like, what happened to the, you know, you didn't raise your hand. You didn't raise your hand. You know, in fact, majority of you didn't raise your hand. Well, you, well, you do. You pray for them anyway, right? Hundreds of people, you just pray for them, right? We were there probably an hour or more just praying for the people, right? Well, was it exhausting? I don't remember it being exhausting. You just, you know, you just do it, right? You do it until, until the Spirit of God says that's enough, right? Because my, my meat is to do the will of the Father. If His will, if He's there, then I'm there. If He's not there, then He, he should know. I mean, you think He knows my limit? You think, he should, you think He knows how far I should take it? I think He would know. Don't you think He would know? So, you know, I just, I don't want to be a cupcake. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be this, this, you know, this minister's like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't preach for, you know, I mean, it's, it's 8.03. If I preach for one more minute, just, I'm not going to make it, you know. Uh, and of course, uh, Brother Randy, you know, gives us the wisdom that, uh, that a heart can only receive uh, that which the seat can endure, right? And so, you know, if we're here for six hours, fortunately we have, uh, we call them our, our four-hour chairs or three-hour chairs, right? You know, those are pretty comfortable chairs, right? That means we could be here for another couple of hours. Uh, but, um, but what's the limit? Well, there is no limit, right? Now, Epaphroditus exceeded his limit, right? He went beyond uh, where he should have. He got out of the will of God, and he required mercy, right? So that, that's when you need mercy is when you get out of the will of God. So, you know, the way I see it is, just like in this church, you know, even though we're not a huge church, there's a thousand things that could be done. Any, I mean, I could come up with a list of things that I could do any day of the week, a thousand things, right? From advertisements and sending out, you know, emails or you know, writing books or studying or praying. I mean, there's a thousand things that I could do and it will never end. And so I just have to decide, you know, I'm just not going to do that. I could do it, but if I did it, then I would sacrifice, you know, time to study or time to pray. And so even though it could be done and it wouldn't be a bad thing to do, I'm just not going to do it right now, right? And I'm not looking for any more, not looking for any more jobs, right? Uh, and so, because... Uh, there's only so many hours in a, in a day, first of all, right? Now, I could just work 23 hours a day, but that's, that's you know, some people are driven. They get to be, where they're driven by their flesh, right? That I have to do these things. And it's not the Spirit of God, not the will of God, but they just, they're, they're super, uh, super driven to do so, so many certain things that, that it's easy for them to get out of the will of God and end up like Epaphroditus where you exceed where you should be. So, uh, I can't tell you where that is. I can't tell you what that number is. I can't tell you how many hours that is. You know, sometimes when I'm studying, I'll be up all night. I mean, literally three, four, five o'clock in the morning. I'll be up 
studying. Just, you know, you get in a, in a flow, you, you know, you want well, I need, I need to get to the end of this, right? And you just, you just go. And, 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 you know, because I'm a pastor, I have the flexibility to do that, right? If I got to work at eight o'clock in the morning, I can't do that. But sometimes, you know, since I don't have to be at work at eight o'clock in the morning, I could sleep in the morning because if you're in that, you know, it's like you hit a vein, you hit a, a, a vein of gold. Well, I got to find out where this goes, you know, and, and, uh, and I'll just stick with it until the end. And, and well, you know, doctors say you got to sleep eight hours a day. Well, they're not the, my physician. My physician says I go until he says I'm done. And, and I answer to my physician. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, uh, so don't make a law. Amen. Uh, what I would encourage you is you press it as hard as the Spirit of God uh, tells you to. Amen. And don't ever slack up. Just do whatever he tells you to do. Amen. Uh, and if you do that, you'll always be in the perfect will of God. Amen. Now, Jesus stopped because he was weird. Right. He stopped. Well, that was the will of God. Then he, but he ministered to this woman. She needed help. He didn't let his flesh say, woman, I'm, I'm on vacation. I don't answer calls when I'm on vacation. You know, I know don't, I don't ministers are like that, right? I'm on vacation, you know. If you call me on a vacation, you know how to answer it, right? Uh, you know, and if you, you want me to come back home and, you know, and take, take your dog out or something, you know, I, I might not be able to do that if I'm on vacation somewhere. But, uh, but if I could, I would, right? And so... So yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that, you know, but I think it's an interesting study about Epaphroditus. You know, he's sick. God had to have mercy on him. So he got out of the will of God somewhere. Uh, and it looks like because he was trying to do what an entire church was supposed to be doing. You know, we don't know what the specifics of that was, but whatever it was, apparently there's a lot of work nearly killed him. Right. And, uh, you know, one minister said, uh, and this is such a, this is such a carnal thing for him to say. Uh, but he said, uh, he said, I'd rather uh, burn out than rust out. In other words, he'd rather just work himself to death versus, you know, just doing nothing and, and just rusting out. Well, it's not an either or, right? It's, it's not a, you got to work yourself to death or you got to just do nothing. It's you work until the Spirit of God lifts. And if, he, and if he's gone, you're gone, right? If he says it's time to go to bed, you go to bed, right? And if he says it's time to stop doing whatever you stop doing, whatever you're doing. I mean, you, you listen to the Spirit of God. Not, not, I see people say, you should listen to your body. I don't listen to my body. I tell my body to shut up. If I, if I got work to do and the Spirit of God's working, I work. You know, if my, what if my body's tired? Shut up. The Spirit of God's here. I'm working, right? And then it'll straighten up, amen? See, if I listen to Him, I'm always okay. If I'm listening to my body, because people say, you got to listen to your body. No, that's the worst, who, that's the, like, the worst thing in the world to listen to, right? Who, what, when has your body ever told you the truth? All it does is lie. Feed me. Make me happy. Make me warm. Make me cold. You know, uh, turn it down. Turn it up. It's, it's always lying to you, right? Paul said, I put my body under. My, don't ever listen to your body. The worst, you know, who, to, who ever said that? People in the church said it all the time, right? You can listen to your body. That's the worst, you know, you know, you pull your card, put your faith card on that, right? This, you don't get to t- teach faith anymore if you tell you listen to your body, right? Now, listen to the Spirit of God. He will tell you. That will exceed your, your body's capacity. Fine, no problem. No problem at all, right? Now, listen to your body. Wow, just... We preach on that long, then, you know, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> we're going to leave that one alone. That's enough right there, I think, but uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God, and Father, we thank you for the spirit of God. Our meat is to do the will of you, Father. Whatever you ask us to do, uh, Lord, we have faith that you give us the grace to accomplish it. Whatever you ask us, Father, no matter how hard, no matter how long, no matter how high or how deep you need us to go, your spirit will empower us to do that by your grace. 
And so, Father, we don't fear our bodies. We only fear you, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you that, that whatever you ask us to do, we are well able to do it. We can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, um, you know, it's just, I think this is a good, a good balance in this message here because I see this get out of balance you know, uh, I know, I know every generation thinks that the next generation is lazy, but, you know, uh, I don't know that's, that's even a doctrine there, but uh, um, I think it's at, at an individual level. Amen. Come ahead, Mr. Dear, and receive the offering. Uh, what the church needs is people who are willing to listen to the Spirit of God and do what he instructs them to do and believe that if he tells them to do it, they have the grace to accomplish it. Amen. Uh, and, and that's the key right there. Do you have the grace to do the will of God? You always do, always do, amen. You're never without the grace of God to do his will if you're willing to, to yield to it, amen. Uh, and so uh, Epaphroditus clearly should have stopped long before he did, right? Uh, uh, and so he went, he exceeded the will of God in whatever capacity that was, right? Uh, and so, uh, but we'll get there, amen? All is well. And so uh, I think... Uh, Johnny's going to have some ladder jumping classes uh, on Saturday, right? If you want to come by and see how to jump a ladder there, you know, he'll do that for you. And so, yeah, you don't do as much as you used to. <laughs> That's all right. Maybe we've got some videos of him doing it somewhere, right? So, uh, <laughs> well, that's all right. So, well, praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Y'all be blessed. We'll see you all on Sunday.